Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Hello and (coughs) welcome to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Ty, we got Jameson, and we're here to talk Bedlam directly with you. Uh, Whether you're listening live on Facebook, on Periscope, wherever we're streaming, welcome in, ask your questions, we will answer them. Uh, But if you're just listening like uh, the normal people in podcast, hey, welcome in too. Uh, We're pumped to talk some OU football. So, obviously, massive game ahead of us with Bedlam. Biggest game of the season by far, uh, but more than that, we got college game day in town. They're, they're coming to our city for the first time since 2012. That's crazy. Last time they were there, uh, me and Jameson, uh, uh, with, with two of our friends, one of them brought a Gumby suit. We were in high school. It's been a long time, folks. So, Ty, how pumped are you to have game day finally come to Norman? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, just like you said, last time was in 2012. Um, it was weird cause game day came and then, uh, both officially and legally speaking, uh, nothing happened afterwards. Um, we did not lose, no, uh, no, of course legally not. speaking, nothing happened. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's disappointing that, you know, it's, it's during COVID time and we don't get the full experience, but it is a, you know, it's a big thing for, for recruiting and it's a big you know, audience that we're going to reach and, and hopefully get to show, um, you know, the University of Oklahoma, um, just, you know, the, the built environment of it and some of the highlight shots. It, it'll be cool to to have a day sort of devoted to to uh, OU. So that's that's always exciting and, and great for uh, recruiting and, and the visuals. I know Jameson knows more about that, but I think this will be the first time, one of the first times that we're showcasing our our newly updated stadium uh, on this level as well. So that's Absolutely. really important. Yeah. Jameson, how are you feeling on it? Yeah. I, I think the big thing with it is we're going to get a lot of eyes on us when it comes down to college game day, the show before, just because they're going to have a, a lot more segments about us. And that's, what's the cool thing. You know, they're going to have specials on certain players on our team. They'll probably talk a lot about Spencer Rattler. And there's a lot of cool things to talk about with OSU too. Um, I've just came to this realization. I mean, we always talk about it, you know, with our last game day with Notre Dame and everything. I think James Harden has to be traded now on Saturday with all of this knowledge. Look at this cross of just OU and Thunder, and it's happening all over. This is a cyclical world that we're going in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's like the James Harden eclipse. You know, every time OU gets a game day, got to go. Oh, Oklahoma love- sports is a flat circle. <laughs> oh my gosh so before we uh dive into the actual talk about the game uh I, we kind of thought it'd be a good idea 
if you could put game day in one place in, on campus, where'd you put it? Uh, Ty, I'll let you go first on this one. All right. So I have, I, I think I know what the popular answer here is going to be. Um, so I want to go with an answer that I personally have, have come up with and developed on my own. So where I would want to put it is, I don't even know the name of the building. It's the one that is north of the Union um, and next to the Visitor Center. So ideally, what you have is Carnegie. if there's a big – it might be. Um, no, because Carnegie is like the fine arts, I think. It's like that big lawn kind of. Yeah, right? There's, still, there's a big Cherokee Gothic ornate 1800s building um, that looks like Evans and looks like the biz and everything. There's the big lawn there. There's some beautiful trees. So you have game day set up. You have the cameras facing that with a beautiful Cherokee Gothic building in the background. Um, and then also the stadium off to sort of the side. And then behind it, you have the entire lawn filled with people and then campus corner right there. So like I it, like I, ideally the porch is like directly behind it, like the bar and all the bars down the main row. So you have this really cool sort of fusion between the tailgate atmosphere and, and the bars and you're showcasing that and then also campus and everything else that I think is my second choice. But I think that's one that I've sort of come up with on my own. That's going to be different from you guys. So yeah. that's where I would put it in a normal year and make uh, access from the bars to your uh, camp out spot. Perfect. So I'm, I, that'd be great. Um, Jameson, your thoughts, where would you stick it? See, I was thinking just like on the spot first inclination, I would want to go, you know, put it at Kate and have the seed sower in the background. Cause I feel like that's just kind of like big time, like, like image when it comes down to Oklahoma. And since it doesn't matter really where, um, like if there's not going to be fans around, it wouldn't matter, but there's so much traffic in that area. <laughs> there's no way that that would work, but I think that'd be cool. Um, but that would have to be completely blocked off both sides of Lindsay. You know, oh God, no, the rioting. The rioting would be just brutal. Um, but hey, you could see all these freshmen just ignore the uh, you know the red lights or the the green lights just walk across. So that could be fun. That'd be fun. Um, I don't know. I, I I've always kind of liked it. You know, kind of by the stadium. I guess you could do it uh, in not Heisman Park, but you know the little coach park, that little area. Uh, I don't know. It, it's 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 tough. We don't really have a lot of space over there with all the Teddington buildings, but whatever. Let's talk some football. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State, I believe, is one of the best teams of the Big 12. It's either them or uh, Iowa State. Uh, I have to give it up to Iowa State. Played well. But OSU, as we've seen, when they don't make mistakes, they're a very capable football team with an explosive offense, an underrated defense, uh, and they can flat out play. So, James, let's get down to it. What is the or what player or players on Oklahoma State uh, are you most kind of nervous about OU defending uh, entering Saturday's game? Yeah, the most nervous I'd be is probably Tylen Wallace, and I mean that's just your easy pick. Um, anytime that we give them single coverage on, you know, whether like it be a second along or third and short or anything, they're going to take a shot with them because he's great at making acrobatic catches, making catching the ball at the high point. Uh, that's just how he's going to do it. And we have um, Trey Brown, who's not been so well at that, even though he's done really well other than that kind of stuff that I think that they're going to try to pick on him a little bit. Um, but with the run game, you know, I'm not too concerned about it. 
with this um, offensive line, but I think the wide receiving core of OSU is probably the one to watch on their offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely. Wallace is an incredible player. Uh, And, you know, that's a huge opportunity for them to really, you know, take advantage of our kind of weak cornerback play in a way that, uh, you know, they do. Um, Ty, who are you, who are you looking out for in this game? Yeah. uh, So I'm going to, I guess I'm going to take a different angle. And unfortunately, I guess not, unfortunately, uh, I have to agree with Jameson here. It's, we all know where I stand on uh, on Chuba Hubbard, uh, just because I feel like that needs to be clarified in 2020. I have said that Chuba Hubbard's been overrated for years before it became like a political thing. Um, he's just overrated flat out. Um, and, and I want to hammer on that again because it, the RD line is very hot right now and very fresh, too. Uh, that was something we touched on, on last week. So I, I don't expect us to really have issues against the run we've been good against it schematically um all year under Grinch and we really started to put it together and I've been very impressed with the with the linebacker play and then the, the D line uh, just the freshness and, and the sharpness I really worry about the uh, the secondary so I gotta agree with Jameson uh Tylon Wallace um is really the big threat I I guess you could say Sanders but I don't really believe uh, that he's that great of a quarterback either so I, I think Tylon Wallace definitely covers up for a lot of Spencer Sanders' mistakes. Because um, that guy, we saw it against Texas, can can really turn the ball over. Um, pretty difficult. We, he did the same thing against Tulsa for that matter. But um, that running game of, of uh, Oklahoma State's, you know, we, we've played really great against the run, but I don't think we've seen uh, a running back tandem like L.D. Brown and uh, Chuba Hubbard uh, or – a running back equivalent to them since Brees Hall, who we uh, struggled with mightily, but Ronnie Perkins is going to be an absolute key part to that defense and uh, really shutting down the run. I think he's going to help neutralize LD Brown a lot, who is more of, I feel like a more of a grounded pound type of guy where Chuba is a little bit more out in space. Um, so I, I'm, I think that's going to be the biggest question entering this game for OU is, uh, you know how you how you can make OSU a one-dimensional team, make them throw the ball, and uh, really shut it down. James, yeah. what, do you, what do you what do you think about OSU's um, running back tandem entering this game? Are you do you think Perkins has this, or do you think uh, do you want to see more out of this OU team before you can make a decision on it? They're going to have some plays where they're going to have some big yardage gains. You know, they're going to do really well getting their three yards per carry, you know, three or four yards every down, you know, and we're going to have our plays where we stop them. The biggest thing with their run game is they would want to lean on it and then use the play action to open up, you know, Stoner and Wallace. That's how they want to play. But you can't do that if we get out to a hot start. You know, if we come out firing and we get them down early, Therefore, their run game is going to turn one to more one-dimensional and more predictable than anything. And that is the biggest thing with OSU. Um, we've seen their offense, um, especially versus K-State on the other week, how just blah it was. And it's in the, all of the OSU riders and all the OSU fans are saying that offensive line is just miserable. And if that offensive line is that bad, we get up big, we force the pass, and we go against a guy like Spencer Sanders who's been having decision-making problems this year, like we, like you said we saw in Tulsa and Texas, that's a recipe for disaster for Oklahoma State. 
Um, but, you know, if OSU gets control of the game, Spencer Sanders is very talented. And if he puts a, his, the correct brain on on Saturday, um, I think that things could be really dicey for OU. Absolutely. And this is where Alex Grinch needs to earn his paycheck. This is the type of game where chaos is, is king, um, where you really want to get in the backfield, cause mistakes, even if you're not causing sacks, turnovers every play. Just having a presence in the backfield, blowing up RPOs, uh, it's crucial, um, especially for this OSU team that on the road, you know, not exactly making it, you know, not, not a very tough time, a bit of a tough time on the road, night game for the first time in Bedlam history somehow in Norman. Uh, that's, this is where you make your money if you're speed D. So creating havoc, that's going to be very crucial um ty other than perkins who he talked about a little bit um who on the defense do you think is is poised to have a massive game in bedlam um i don't if you're gonna ask james in the same question uh maybe i want to give a different answer no because i want to say uh washington our our guy washington uh because we're really waiting on him we know he's gonna have that breakout moment or we at least believe that he will uh, so it would be really cool to see um, in a in a rivalry game like this. Um, shoot, I, I, having having previously called the the Drake Stoops Bedlam, um, you know, touchdown. Uh, so I am I am sort of a defending champion at picking who to who to watch out for. Um, I just want to say, I want to say the linebackers as a whole. I, I really don't want to pick one specific person out. I think that. I think that defensively they're going to make the difference. So I, I know that doesn't directly answer your question, but that's what I would look out for uh, as an OU fan. I, I mean, I definitely agree that the linebacking core is crucial to this. Uh, and Grinch loves running stunts, you know, running those linebackers and, you know, really applying the pressure. I would love to see a great game out of Nick Benito. I think he's uh, gotten better as the season's progressed. Uh and, you know, this could really be the time for him to shine, create some chaos. Jameson, uh, like Ty said, he's, he at least is great at predicting this podcast. Because I'm going to ask you the same question. <laughs> who, who defensively uh, is going to shine big in Bedlam? Yeah, I think it's – I'm going to – it's got to be somebody on the defensive line for me because the uh, offensive line problems are prominent with OSU. And uh, Perkins and Benito will have their times, but I think Perry on Winfrey is just going to beast this game. I think he's he might not have you know the the great sack numbers that the other team, I mean the other guys on the team may have, um, but I think he's going to have uh, his way with the inside of OSU's offensive line, creating um, problems for Spencer Sander, moving him outside of the pocket and getting him uncomfortable, and allowing us to possibly get turnovers that way. Absolutely, it's. Like like you like we've all said, it's about blowing up that O line, creating havoc, um, and that's that's OU's strength as a defense. Uh, definitely not in the secondary. Linebackers, hey, you're fine, but chaos starts at the starts and ends at the line, affecting your will right there. And I think we'll see that. Uh, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball, um, where they've been getting better week by week. Uh, we've seen it. Um, Against subpar competition, Oklahoma State's defense is pretty good. They're a little bit better than than you than you think, but um, you know this OU offense is poised to absolutely go off. Uh, Spencer Rattler, another um, big test for him, but 
Yeah, let's. I think it falls specifically on a different player. Ty, I think you know who I'm going to say here. How do you feel about Ramondre Stevenson against this Oklahoma State team? Yeah, so I actually I'm really glad uh, you asked me about him specifically. So I, I think my take on the offense is I'm I'm working from the assumption uh, that I think is a reasonable assumption that that Rattler is going to have not his best game, but a second half of the season average, if that makes sense. Um, and if you follow, you know, OU football or, or Rattler, that that should make sense to you. Um, I'm also going to work from the assumption that Stevenson is going to have a really good game. Nowhere near as good as his past two, because those were super easy opponents. Um, from there, when it comes to the offense, I think the person that we really need to count on is going to be uh, whoever that second running back is. Because OSU is a team where we're going to need two running backs that are performing well, in my opinion. It's not going to be one where Stevenson has unlimited energy to just constantly pound. I, I think that we're going to need to work situations where Stevenson is playing to his strengths and not just all the time, like we've used him since he's been back. Uh, so that's kind of, again, not a direct answer to your question, but that's what I'm looking at specifically on the run game. Yeah, for sure. Jameson, if you were Lincoln Riley, what would your percentages be on the run pass, uh, kind of the run passing plays? Where, where are you setting it out here? Well, I mean, you got to have it 50-50. Is that, is that a bad answer? The, the big thing go. is with with, uh, with OSU – actually, I'm going to completely take the back. If Lincoln Riley had his choice, so it would be like 75-25. We get up early and we just run him into the dirt. Um, um, I'm, but, just, I'm just saying you're offensive coordinator now. What What's the strategy you would take? Uh, I, I I say you start the run early, you establish the run, and they'll open up the pass. Um, putting the putting the ball in Spencer's hands. Um, last time he started off a game that was a big rivalry game that had a lot of hype going into it. He didn't have a good start, and it's because our even though you know we had a good run game that game, it's it it was not where it is today. You know we've got to lean on the running backs more. Um, we got to lean on more of our our offensive line that's improved more and then let Spencer come in and shine whenever things are a little bit more open for him. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, definitely establishing that run, getting the pace, getting the jitters out of the way is going to be huge. Um, and while I think, you know, being steady, you know, moving the ball down the field is definitely a good strategy. Uh, it's got to be noted that Oklahoma State is incredibly prone to big plays. If you look at uh, their probably closest game uh, against Iowa State, well, I mean, other than the one they lost to Texas, of course, uh, it's it was all big plays. Um, Brees Hall had a had a field day, a sixty yard touchdown. Uh, wasn't even his longest run of the day. His longest was a seventy yard run. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities here for OU's big play offense to. Uh, take advantage of the moment. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really think it's about, it, it's just test them, wear them out. And then when you're ready for it, you throw the home run ball to Mims or uh, no, no, it's pretty much just Mims. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with, with you there on the sort of the big play strategy. I think, I think that this year it could be argued that OSU is the better team. I realize that, OU's favored, obviously, but I think holistically, I think you could really make an argument that OSU is a better team on the field. I, I think we're 
way, way far better coached. But I think that the key to us winning is is that run game. And I think stringing together drives that last several minutes and winning the time of possession significantly is going to be huge for us because our defense is going to struggle and we need to give them that time to rest. And I think that if we could really lean on the offense in the run game to stretch out drives and resist that urge uh, to take those you know, easy button, quick shots, uh, which I think we're going to have less opportunities to, to take anyways. Um, and I'm not saying leave points out there on the field, but I think that time of possession, if I'm, if I'm watching this game and if it's close, I really think that you're going to be able to predict who's going to win uh, when you look at that time of possession. I, I do agree. Not getting into a shootout is a good move. I, I don't think this should be uh, that sort of uh, circumstance, but um, the opportunities will be there. And I, I think you just, you, you take them when you can, you don't, you don't try to just have Spencer Rattler bomb it like he did against uh, Kansas state at times or Iowa state at times. But um, it's, it's one of the, it's like, it's like Jenga, you know, you're kind of like poking it a little bit. You don't want to go for the big, you don't want to go for the big block, but you kind of have poke a couple, see if one comes loose. And then, you know, when the opportunity is there, you yank the thing. So. Yeah. See, that's that's the issue. <laughs> what? No, I, I agree. It's about, it's about. I agree with you. You got to probe the defense. You got to probe the defense. You got to see where they're weak, and then when you find it, you strike. Because Lincoln Riley sometimes strikes me as a Jenga player that's sitting there and he's poking around and he sees all the easy ones, and those are way too easy, and then he just tries to rip the whole like. uh what is it called? Like the tablecloth out from under it without dropping the whole thing. Like he, and Rattler's the same way. Rattler only wants to do the crazy, the crazy, like karate chop out the bottom level <laughs> or something. Jameson, do you agree with our uh, discussion on, uh, on pace here? Pace versus uh, explosion? Oh yeah. I mean, that would, that would be great. I, I think um, this team this year, it really hasn't shown that as much of the big playability um, other than Mims. And that's just kind of a disappointment because especially with Rambo and a lot of people thought that he could be a guy like that. So yeah, that'd be great. And the way this, like I said, the way I want us to play this game is through Stevenson and Stevenson is control the pace, just tire you down, just hit you over and over in the mouth until you can't take it anymore. The problem with it is, is this Oklahoma state front seven is really good. You know, this is the best front seven we're going to face all year. And, um, you know, the defensive line with, you know, Antoine and then Trace Ford, you know, out of Edmond. And then I'm really excited to say this name. I practiced it a little bit before. Um, their, their linebacker, Ogbong Bamiga. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> yes, it's great. And it's great. And he's really, really good too. Like, um, and then Calvin Bundage too, you know, it's great on the pass rush. Like this, this is a really good front seven. The problem is Ramondre Stevenson's a grown man. Like, like I don't think it matters who he's going to go against. He's going to get his. So, um, yes, I would love to chip him away if we can. But it's going to be really hard to with that front seven. I think we're if we're going to win this game, I think the big plays and getting Spencer Rattler over the middle with, um, you know, a guy like Theo Weiss breaking out. Is, is I feel like that's how we're going to blow this game open to therefore we can control on the defensive end and um, give him more of a pass rush rather than a conservative defense. Yeah, I, I, hey, I totally get that. Um, so thinking about the bye week and a guy who could explode or go off, is there anyone we might get back that has been sitting out? I know people have been talking about Bridges. 
Uh, I don't know if he's nearing his return or not. Um, Hopefully for the second year. How long was the suspension anyway? So it was, it was as long as it, like, you know, they said it was, you know, half a season and he served that, but whatever it was in the appeal process or the getting back into it mode, something happened. And there's nobody who wants to say what happened. You know, we assumed whenever there was some snag possibly coming up with Ronnie Perkins, you know, whenever he traveled, but then didn't play to Iowa State, what happened? Did he fail another drug test in the appeals process? Did Trajan Bridges do that? There's not a lot of reasons why he should be sitting out longer than his original suspension. You know, there, he, that means you got in trouble again. And then there's, there shouldn't be a penalty of just waiting. Obviously, he did something wrong. Is it, is it, do we want to dive into speculation? Is it sort of, is it team internal potentially? No. I, I mean, it's all the, the, the transfer portal at the end of the season? It, I, I think it's, no. it, any speculation is beyond us, honestly. Right, I just wanted to throw it out there so I can reference this. Time, well, yeah. 24, 37. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we could just roll that conversation up and throw it away. Yeah, well, I'll, just yeah. say, I'll just say one thing about this before we move on from it. Lincoln Riley compared Tylen Wallace to Trajan Bridges in his press conference this week. You know, there's obviously a lot of respect there. And in the times Lincoln Riley has talked about it, it's obviously there's something that it's not within their control. Um, there's something there and we can speculate, but yeah, we don't know about that at all. Um, but with guys coming back, you know, you know, probably the biggest, the, by far the biggest person that we're looking to come back is Braden Willis. You know, this was his return time and with Austin Stogner being, we don't know how well he's going to play. He's probably going to go out there, but you know, is he 100%? That's, that's Spencer Rattler's guy. That's his security blanket. Uh, if he doesn't have that, is it's going to hurt a young guy in Rattler. And Willis would be a great guy to go out there and play those snaps that where Stogner wouldn't have to play as much. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, Lincoln did mention today that uh, he did say Spencer was 100%, but uh, did not say the same for Stogner, who just frankly just gets the hell beat out of him all the time. So you're having a little relief there would be very nice. Very nice. So. I think that's all we have to say about Bedlam. Uh, any notes that we should be aware of? Uh, special teams, I, I don't think, is a huge issue. But uh, oh, it is. Though. I mean, I guess it is. It really is. It, uh, get the. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, we've lost a, a game on special teams uh, mm-hmm. relatively recently. Um, but well, I don't. I'm not game. worried about it for OU. Uh, I don't think. I know Oklahoma State did give up a massive uh, kick return in that Texas game that turned the tide. So maybe there's uh, a big play from Mims there waiting to happen. But in terms of OU, I don't think they'll give up too much. Uh, we've been pretty solid on uh, special teams this year, save for uh, a bad return in the Iowa State game. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's, opportunity, there's opportunity there. Yeah, on, on special teams, one comment completely not related to Bedlam. Uh, shout out to uh, West Virginia for absolutely dominating on special teams uh, this past weekend. I, I know I talked about that in our group text, uh, but if you guys watched that West Virginia TCU game, it was just absolute. They got a turnover. They got a pick six on a kick return. <laughs> that doesn't even happen. That doesn't even happen. So uh, yeah, shout out to shout out to that. But yeah, I, I think I think we've wrapped Bedlam talk. Besides. Check the weather before you go. It's going to be a difficult one to dress mm, for. If it you're it's going to be mid-70s, mid to low-70s during the day. 
So if you're going out to campus corner or something else or any sort of tailgate before, uh, you know, take the precautions. Obviously, we're a, we're a anti-death podcast. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to dress for, for warm weather if you're up and moving around, but it's going to, that temperature is going to drop off uh, in the evening. So be prepared. Um, and, and maybe even some light sprinkles. I don't know. Check, check the weather. Check the weather and plan if you're going to the game. Okay. Thank you very much, Gary England. Much appreciated. Stop uh, making fun of the weather, weather man. It's Bobby. <laughs> uh, again, weather's a factor, I guess. Oh, Bobby, Bobby, yeah. Is Oklahoma State going to be affected by the climate in Norman? You, you know, they, they are a little further <laughs> north, so they, they can handle the cold. Uh, as we know, Stillwater is approximately like 80 miles north, uh, so it is slightly colder there. And less trees, so the wind blows a little harder. But um, anyways, that's all we have for Bedlam. But uh, as I understand it, I believe we have some Cruden Corner to get to. Jamison. Yes. What is this? Jamison. This is a Cruden Corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. So there's not much going on right now, um, but... Jarden Gilbert, you know, the safety that I said to look after that could be an OU commit any time now, uh, a guy uh, that was going to be that replacement for Caleb Johnson. He ended up did getting an LSU offer, um, something that we were really nervous about with um, him being from Baton Rouge. Um, you know, they, it was almost going to come because, you know, his recruitment is just blowing up. Uh, a lot of people have been catching on to him late, and it's hard to compete. Um, with an LSU offer from Baton Rouge. But anything's possible. You know, with the LSU scandal going on right now, uh, you don't know how that's going to blow up and if that's going to affect recruiting at all. Um, but th- looking at his profile, I have not seen, like, anything, like, announced. Maybe he said it somewhere I haven't seen. But he is committed to play in one of the All-American Bowls, and it looks like his commitment date is then. So um, we might have to wait a little while. Um, I guess that would be January 2nd. Uh, for him to commit. Um, I don't know if we turn elsewhere or, um, you know, find another prospect, whether that be Juco or high school um, for another D back in this class. Um, Looking at offers for the future um, will kind of dictate how we feel in this situation. But, you know, other than that, you know, looking at LSU and the scandal, maybe this helps for Tristan Lee and us. I still feel like Tristan Lee is pretty solid for OU. Um, moving forward in December and early signing periods coming up here, like any time now, it's like a month away. So things are going to pick up pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, obviously nothing is good about what's going on in LSU allegedly. Uh, so, you know, um, that's horrible, but it's, it, it is a factor to consider because uh, if those things are true, we could be dealing with some sanctions uh, on a pretty high level. Um and yeah, I, I would if I yeah I would stay away from that if I were both Tristan Lee or a podcast uh, producer because it's a dicey topic. So, anyways, well that's all I got for uh, this week's Schooner Pod. Um, up if you're listening to this live, up next we're going right into the weekend spread uh, to make our picks. But um, if you're not, we'll be back in a couple days to uh, you know on your podcast feeds making our picks. So, uh, James and Ty, I will once again futilely ask you if there's anything you want to say before we leave. Check the weather. Jameson? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, you know what, folks? I, I tried. I tried. Wait, I'm up. I, I have. I actually have a one more thing that we didn't touch on. Not. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. I'm behalf of me, Jameson, and Ty. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and if you're listening live, uh, we have a weekend spread coming up soon. So. Till next week, boomer sooner. <laughs>